Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round three recap for this week's U.S. Open. And joining me to break it all down, it's Mark Immelman. Mark, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to you, Rick. Uh, I must say it was a lot of fun kind of having the day off and watching some golf and television. <laughs> it was good fun it's, for me. It's different being on that side, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's quite refreshing. I've got to be honest with you. Um, I, um, we were actually on vacation for a few days, my family and I, and we snuck away and got back today. Uh, tropical storm Claudette ruined things for us down in the Gulf. But anyway, I got back. Had my dog on the couch next to me and the coffee and the TV and the rain and everything was perfect, man. There you go. Well-deserved couple of days off and enjoying some golf action and golf. Golf was fun on Saturday. We've got a trio at the top mark that I don't think we all thought would be there. And then there is a chase pack forming behind those three. So let's start. Let's start with the leaders at the top here. And I'll begin with the one who made all the noise on 18 Louis Oosthuizen cards a one under 70 and the big exclamation point mark is the 52 foot bomb he drops for Eagle on 18 and it wouldn't be a major championship if Louis wasn't in the mix. Well, that's the thing. I mean, everyone and shame on me for not picking him this week. I mean, that's just ignorant on my behalf, but Everyone speaks of Brooks Kepka being the major championship wizard. Well, look at Louis, what he does. I mean, he was a factor in the PGA a few just a few weeks ago, um, second to last group. Now he's going to be in the final group. And he's just contended in so many. Of course, he's finished second in all of them. So he's got the runner-up Grand Slam or whatever you call that thing. And, mm-hmm. and his game just seems to raise when the, the light is shining the brightest. And it's testament to him. It's testament to his attitude. It's testament to how he played because today for a long while, I sort of looked at this going, oh no, Louis, you know, kind of backing up on Saturday and all of a sudden, you know, he just hangs around, hangs around, hangs around. And all of a sudden he makes a, a timely birdie there. I think it was on 16 and then makes that Eagle on uh, 18. And all of a sudden he's in the final group and with a real chance now. So he did the whole major championship thing ra- around a difficult venue perfectly. And, um, it's kudos, man, because, you know, this examination this week to me, as I've watched it, has been way more than just the just the physicality of the thing. You know, you've had to judge lies out of the rough. You've had to be able to stomach, you know, some funny bounces on greens, one hitting firm, one hitting soft. And so there's been so many mental and so many emotional challenges that have been brought to bear. And the guys atop the leaderboard have done sort of everything right and um, again, like I say, shame on me for not picking Louis because he's proved that he can do this in any season on any style golf course. I mean, think of it. He's played runner-up 
in all four major championships, and there are four vastly different examinations. Yeah, that that's one of the most impressive feats. Uh, another impressive feat is the one major he did win. That was the 2010 Open Championship. Mm, he did it by seven shots. He absolutely uh, scorched the rest of the field. And since that victory, five runners up in major championships with the most recent just at the PGA Championship. I mean, it, it really is almost astonishing when you lay out the resume and you can see that this guy is literally just elevating his game in all of the biggest moments. Yeah, you know the rap on Louis is that he only has one PGA to a victory, you know, but he's won around the world multiple times. And he's won at a canter from out front. And he's won chasing people down. And he spilled a few leads. But the thing about him is he is a top quality player that probably doesn't get the respect that he deserves. And then when he gets to the top, they're like, oh, this sweet swinging Louis with a beautiful rhythm. And that's kind of who he is. Mm-hmm. But the guy is a complete golfer. He puts it beautifully. He's got wonderful touch around the greens. He's a sound iron player. And I think he drives the ball long. He's surprising. He's longer than you think he is. It's like a tumbling sort of a ball flight that gets out there. And you can see he played alongside Matthew Wolf today, who I drove him by some, but that didn't factor at all because Louis still found a way to cobble together a score that was lower than what Matthew did. 14 professional victories. If he pulls it off tomorrow on Sunday, it would be his first on American soil. Let's go to the co-leader who had the best round of the day. That would be Canadian Mackenzie Hughes, who followed up his Friday 67 with a Saturday 68. And I'm looking at his second nine, the back nine for Mackenzie Hughes, in which he birdied 11. He bur- he eagled, excuse me, uh, kind of Tiger-esque with that putt on 13. And then he puts another one on the board with a birdie on 18 to close his final nine in four under par. Yeah, the way this golf course is sort of shaping up, especially from what we saw today, it's going to take something like that long bomb he hold on 13 or the one that Louis made on 18. That's just the way this thing is, is sort of coming together right now because it's appearing that as this golf course dries out, then in the morning it gets a little moisture and the rough can grow a little bit. But there's not a lot of heat, so the grass isn't growing really quickly. And so guys are able to play out of the rough by the looks of things, where early in the week they couldn't. So it's going to take a little something special. And Mackenzie, you showed that today. And speaking of something special, I mean, he showed his cards um, was it like, wasn't last year in the playoffs. It might have been the year before where he had to get up and down out of a bunker at the BMW Championship mm. to advance, I think yeah. it was. Or maybe it was the Northern Trust. And he hits this bunker shot out there to like six feet above the flag and holds the putt down the hill, which wasn't easy at all. And then he sort of took another step forward in my estimations. I was there on hand when he went, won his first event down at the RSM Classic, and I was on the call there, and, and I was impressed by how he struck it, and I was impressed by the presence of mind that he had. But, you know, he's just a young, talented kid coming out, and you're like, okay, he won. Let's see where he goes from here. But, you know, he's proved himself since then, and um, he just hits the ball so heavy, you know, and so I can see why in a maritime-type place like Torrey, where it can be a little dense, the air, and the ball doesn't go as well, where he can hit the ball through the wind. You know, when he won down in Sea Island, it was in the fall, 
it was breezy and it was chilly. And it didn't look like the conditions affected his ball flight whatsoever. And I think it's just a matter of time before he, too, proves who he really is. Because when he came out as part of the young Canadian squad, you know, they went, they were dotted around colleges in the U.S. Like Adwin went to Louisville and Corey Connors and, and uh, McKenzie went to Kent State. And so there were all these talented guys. But the, the, the pick of the litter really was Nick Taylor who was at Washington, right? And he was the star. He was the number one ranked golfer in the world. But McKenzie now is sort of showing who he really is. And I would sort of say, man, I would make an argument for the fact that he may be the most accomplished of the bunch of them. And certainly, you know, if things go his way tomorrow, that certainly will be the case. It certainly will be. I have a couple of fun little nuggets here on Mackenzie Hughes. So Sean Zach of uh, golf.com actually worked with Mark Brody on a column 18 months ago. The goal of that column, Mark, was to find the most the average, average player on tour. <laughs> and believe it or not, that ended up being the 2019 version of Mackenzie Hughes, which is nugget, nugget number one. And nugget number two is... <laughs> The man who is currently co-leading the U.S. Open has missed the cut in his last five starts, so certainly did not come in in any great form. Uh, golf is a very strange game, as we have learned over the years, and Mackenzie Hughes is putting it together here. Well, you see, this is why I don't like statistics that much, because they <laughs> use stats to figure out who the, the average golfer on the PGA Tour was. Now, I don't know if this is a slight against Mackenzie Hughes or if this is like a, a compliment, but I'll tell you this much for free. Each and every one of us and all the folks writing these articles would happily be the average guy on the PGA yep. Tour. Okay? <laughs> That's exactly so right. Put no one to bed and say, this boy can go. And and when it's his time, he's not afraid. He he will not back down. He won that playoff on a Monday morning, chilly, in a four-way playoff. And I remember, um, I think Camilo Vajegas was in there and Billy Horschel, perhaps. I get my names mixed up. But he he went to sleep as a rookie coming back in one in the morning. So he's going to take it. He's, I don't think he's going to back down. And then as far the, as the missing, as, as far as missing the cuts thing go, heck, we see this weekend and week out where some guy just finds something for the week and they're also good. That can oftentimes be the separator. It, it, it certainly can. Our third man atop the leaderboard, Russell Henley. This, to me, I don't want to say is the most impressive round of the day, but I was impressed with what, what Russell Henley did. He had to sleep on the 36-hole lead at the U.S. Open. He came out, birdied his first hole of the day. He essentially alternated birdies and bogeys for the majority of the day. He finally uh, gets in the clubhouse with an even par 71 mark. I thought there were moments in which this round could have gotten away from Russell Henley. I thought when he got into a few spots of trouble. He was able to extract himself from that trouble and to mm -hmm. shoot even par on Saturday out of the final group at the U.S. Open is good work. Yeah, okay. Well, here's me. Here's my mea culpa. Um, this morning, as I say, we were on vacation, so I woke up and it was a lovely spot and I'm lying there in bed with a window open looking at the beach and I'm just scrolling through golf Twitter, which I find awfully amusing <laughs> at some of the... I nearly said something, an expletive that some people spout, you know, folks that have never been there, never been in a locker room, you know, just kind of watching golf on TV and watching scoreboards. And then they're coming with opinion. And, and, and the beef was that Bland and Henley were going to capitulate and just go away. 
and mm-hmm. I got the back of m- the hair on the back of my neck up in the hugest way, and I sent the snarky tweet as if to say, "All you guys need to get a bit of a grip. You know these guys aren't going to go away." And the truth is, Richard Bland actually played pretty well. Just got on the wrong side of a few holes and made a few soft bogeys. And Russell Henley, this dude's made eighteen million plus dollars on tour. He's won three times. He won as an amateur on the Web, the, the Corn Ferry Tour, then the Web.com Tour, and his first win on the his first event on the PGA Tour, he won, shooting what was it like sixty one or something in the final round. He went and got this thing. In, in the Sony Open. And Russell Henley lives just down the road from me. In fact, he's taken a few a lesson or two from me on the wedge game. He is good. And he plays the game kind of like wide up. You know, he sees the thing, he gets over the ball, he pulls the trigger. He sees the thing, he, he's no hanging around. He's not phased by the moment whatsoever. When he was at Georgia with all of these other studs, Harris English and company, he was the one. And they'll all tell you that. And so when people are telling me Russell Henley's going to go away, I was like, you guys have got no idea. And I'll, t- I'll tell you this for free. He might not finish it off tomorrow, but he is not going to fall over in front of you. That is for certain. Yeah, I was I was impressed with what he was able to accomplish here on Saturday. Now, whew, we we've got uh, we've got some big dogs. Sorry, we, we've yeah. Let's let's recalibrate, Mark, because we've got some big dogs in the chase pack here who are not going to make it easy for Hughes, Louis, and Russell at the top. Let's start with Rory McIlroy, who matched Paul Casey's low round of the day, a sixty. Seven, four under par. And this is what I find incredibly interesting. Here's a nugget from Ben Coley. Rory McElroy has not been within two shots of the lead after 54 holes of a major since 2014. The last one he was victorious at Mark. So we have not seen Rory McElroy really contend this late in a major championship uh, for quite some time. He has plenty of top tens that he's kind of quote unquote backdoored into, but he is right now in the thick of it for the first time in seven years. And aren't we all excited? You know, yes. it's that, that's the same thing about Twitter because I saw that tweet from Ben Coley, who I'm good friends with. He, I think he's a fantastic writer. But now all these folks are coming out with Rory statistics. I'm like, you were the same folks just a, last year this time were saying, oh, he's unbelievable. He's going to win everything. Then you guys are like, where's Rory gone? He's making dumb decisions with his golf swing. And so the beat goes on. And now um, we, we, we've got a guy who – Really, if things go his way a little bit tomorrow, he could spread eagle the field because the way he looked like he was playing today, there was that element of irreverence about him, like I saw when he was a kid. When he was a kid, when he came out, he just teed the driver up and just swung away. Mm -hmm. And the thing came out the barrel with speed, and he never looked concerned about anything. When he had iron shots, he was, he just also just fire away. There was never the play to the smart side of the flag thing. Then, and and the way he putted too, he was so good around the greens. And I'm starting to see some of that today. I mean, that 67, everyone looks at the total. There are two key par putts he made in that round that kept that thing alive. Because it was nearly the end of all of it on 15 after it hit that snap hook and the barranca down the left. That's right. And when I saw him save the five over there and there was that little fist bump, I was like, (laughs) this is the guy I've seen, I've called. This is the guy that still to this day, we've done, we did a podcast. I think it was last year during lockdown about greatest rounds or whatever. 
what the best round I've ever seen with these two eyes was him shooting 64 to win the Arnold Palmer Invitational. It was free flowing. It was charismatic. He, he hit the ball uh, however he wanted. He made long putts. He made saves. He chipped in once. It, it was just, it was virtuoso. And I saw a little sparkle in the eye today. So who knows? Maybe he can do this tomorrow where he gets out there and he goes, whatever. You know, I'm just going to swing free and see what happens. If that happens, I think he could go out and do another. It's going to take, what, 67 or so? What's he, three under? If he does that and gets to seven, I mean, that may be Rory. He might have another major championship. He'll be out in the penultimate group with Russell Henley at 1244. The only bogey free round on Saturday went to our defending champion, Bryson DeChambeau, who Mark, after opening with a 73, chances didn't look all that great. He backs it up with a 69, a 68. He finds something in his sleep. And I don't have to remind you that he was two shots back entering the final round at winged foot uh, mm -hmm. before he absolutely ran away with it. Yeah. And I would say probably if there's somebody to beat right now, it's Brasson. Um, mm. And I'm sure Brooks doesn't want to hear that one. Uh, but but I should stop <laughs> because I've been critical of the old Brooks Brasson fiasco. Um, but to go around there bogey free today, uh, to leave a number of shot out, shots out there, he, he missed a bucket load of putts. He, he just looks like it's coming to him easily. And somehow, like I was asked this question on HQ, um, uh, maybe yesterday or whatever. They're like, what is the game for Bryson? Is it more mental or physical? And when things start going wrong, what can you pin it on? And I was like, Bryson has the strangest way of making everything physical. Even when his mind is going haywire, he will get into the numbers so much and he will talk about yardage and all this sort of stuff. It's almost like he doesn't give his brain time to wander into the white noise. And so it all becomes physical. It's like, I've got to make this nine o'clock nine iron and I've got to hit it with two fingers and there's a puff of breeze off the right and I've got to do this and this and that. And all of a sudden it becomes a physical endeavor for him. So I don't think he gives himself time to get mentally discombobulated. And so that's what's fascinating about him because there were times today it could have gone wrong. And he just kept going and kept going and kept going and didn't birdie 18 but still the guy's primed, man. And yeah. And it, 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 it appears that somehow the US Open's become his thing. Where it's like I'm just gonna bash the thing down there. I'm gonna hit it around the green somewhere with a short club. And good on him. But the USJ gonna have to come with something smart from now on if they want to defend, because you know it was always tiger proving stuff. What Bryson's doing is it's almost exposing a US open layout to say, watch me, bum and gouge. <laughs> I'm going to get at you with one, two, three under. I do that three or four days in a row, and I'm likely to win your your trophy. Uh, yeah, that's certainly true. He described the strategy in his post-round interview with Steve Sands as well, kind of alluding to to the same type of, of thing. Uh, we don't have to get into the Brooks and Bryson thing, but going out and winning your second U.S. Open uh, championship in a row would certainly go a long way to shutting up any haters that you might have. John Robb. Three shots back, Mark. And this was a little bit unfortunate because um, he got a hair unlucky on 14. This this is probably, if, if he does not 
make up three shots and go on to win this golf tournament, this major championship. He's probably going to look back on the 14th hole on Saturday. He kind of gets in a tough spot uh, in a fairway bunker. He has to kind of just chip it out, just just move it forward, advance it. And then he hit he, he hits the stick. He literally it gets caught up in the flag. Uh, probably doesn't spin back to the way that he wants. He eventually misses a short putt when the dust settles. He cards a six, which is a double bogey, and those two shots are certainly going to be missed as he goes to bed this evening. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, I'll make my John Rom quip, and then I want to tell you the truth about the whole thing in my opinion. He will be around tomorrow afternoon late. He's just playing too well not to be. And stuff's going to have to go horribly awry for him not to be. And I, I, I'm struggling to see that happen. Um, I've been wrong before. But here is the thing. You talk about that break that he had that turned into a double bogey six. This should be the eye opener for all of us. Every single one of us who are pundits or claim to be or comment on the game or fans or whatever the case might be to say any individual who's won one of these things, let alone multiple, how many things have gone right for them and how hard it is to win an event, let alone multiple events, let alone multiple major championships. Here's a guy in John Rahm who's arguably maybe the best golfer in the world right now. He has zero of these things on his resume, right? And, you know, it could be just because of a ball getting wrapped up in a flagstick. And that now you, this is when you look at Tiger Woods going, goodness gracious (laughs) me. I mean, this is, this is superhuman. You look at anyone, McElroy with what's he got? Four of them. Spieth with four. Brooks with four. I mean, Nick Faldo, who is a genius, has only got six of these things. And it should start to say to you, hold on a second, we've got to be very, very careful when we're saying to folks, well, when's he going to win a major? You know, when's Finau going to win again? Blah, 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 blah. It's just, it's, it's a difficult thing. And there's so many factors that are brought to bear. And yes, that may be the reason why he doesn't win. Who knows? Maybe he can overcome the thing because that's what you have to do to win. You've got to overcome some, some setbacks. But it's it, it's what golf represents, and to me, it's what makes golf great. One more before we hit our break. Matthew Wolf, seventy three, his worst round of the week. I think expectations were kind of all over the place uh, and admittedly low for Matthew Wolf this week. He is currently two under par. He is right there with John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler, just three off the pace. It, it is seeming that maybe in a kind of a, a a lesser sense, these U.S. Opens are setting up pretty well for Matthew Wolf as well. They went one and two, Bryson and Wolf at winged foot, and both of them lurking here with 18 holes to go. Yeah, um, I'm hoping he plays well. But then again, I think for the lessons that perhaps he's trying to learn, and I haven't talked to him, so I don't know for sure. I've read transcripts like you have and like everyone listening to this has, and I've read tweets and stuff. You know, I think being emotionally complete for Matthew Wolf happens when he fails once or twice and then realizes he's going to be okay when he has the big misstep, when it means something and it stings for a few days or a few weeks or whatever, then he comes back and goes, damn, man, I'm still Matthew Wolf and I'm going to be okay. But when you start to own these things so much that they define you, then you become the individual who's sitting by himself in the hotel room going, 
I haven't won and I'm not meeting sponsor obligations and I'm letting people down and et cetera and insert whatever it likes because your brain goes to the weirdest of spots. So do I want him to win? Absolutely. What a story. Um, if he if if he doesn't, I think it might be better for him because the one thing about Matthew Wolf is he left college as a sophomore, right? Hmm? Yeah. I think that's he right, won yeah. how many times in his I need I need Carl, yeah. He won like how many times in his career? Eleven times or something, including an NCAA championship, individual championship. The guy is not used to losing. And then he came out on tour and got himself a quick win, and and the world was his proverbial oyster. Then he loses a bit, and the game gets hard and life gets tough, and he's learning these lessons on the fly and let me tell you what when you are making big dollars and having all these obligations and stuff to do to have to learn these lessons that's not a fun place to be and i'm not surprised at all he suffered with whatever he's been suffering with so so if he wins fantastic if he doesn't win i think perhaps it could be a blessing in disguise i really do he was your 2019 individual NCAA champion, a bunch of wins at Oklahoma State. Mark, we've got to look at the betting board from our friends at William Hill and try to figure out who's going to win this golf tournament. And I have a very, I have a very something, I've got something special to tell you. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. All right, Mark. It is Saturday evening of the U.S. Open. There are 18 holes to be played. And I, I have to tell you, Louis Eustazen is the favorite to win this event. <laughs> have William Hill lost their minds? <laughs> William Hill has installed Louis Eustazen as a plus 375, the shortest odds on the board, right behind both Rory McIlroy and Bryson DeChambeau. They are five to one. Russell Henley, seven and a half to one. Mackenzie Hughes, nine to one. So really the the two of the three golfers in the final group not getting much respect from William Hill while Louis Oosthuizen getting the majority of the respect and they don't want to get burned on Rory or Bryson potentially winning this winning this thing. I find that curious. I, I really do. I, I would have figured that Bryson would be the favorite. I would have figured Rory would have grabbed the lion's share of the attention over there. But Louis, I, I, I don't know what they're seeing because I'm not sure a whole bunch of folks are going to be scrambling out to go buy Louis. Where stays in tickets, are they? <laughs> I do, I do not believe so. No, yeah. I, I was surprised when I clicked this link as well. I was expecting Rory Bryson. That's why I thought you'd get a kick out of Louie being the favorite on a Saturday night. <laughs> I, I thought the surprise you said for me was I was going to get one of those sound bars that you've been bragging about. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great maybe, surprise. <laughs> or maybe my Tony Finau pick you said to me, I oh, don't sweat it. We're going to give you a whole bunch of dollars for the one and done contest anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not, nothing, nothing that good. Just that Louis right. is the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, as, as I look at those over there, um, I, I said it, I think Bryson's the favorite. Um, mm -hmm. My head says Bryson. My heart says Rory. My heart says Louis. You know, there's, for me, so many storylines on the go here. And I'll, I'll tell you this much. Uh, 
I don't, I couldn't really pick anyone right now. And I will, but I will tell you this. I feel like it's going to take one special shot. Mm-hmm. There's likely to be someone who has a horrible misstep at the wrong time, just like a U.S. Open should be. And so for all of those folks on social, I've, you see, I've read so, too much social media over the last couple of days. <laughs> yeah, you got to get back to work. You're reading, no, you're reading Twitter too much. <laughs> for all of these folks, and if you're listening, come on now, that have been critiquing Tory Pines as a venue. First off, have you ever been there? And secondly, what right do you have to critique a golf course that whenever we go there, it just produces the most incredible scenarios? You look at the winners this place has produced. Tiger Woods in a major championship. Uh, John Rahm, Justin Rose, Jason Day. I mean, the list is endless. You know, the, the cream essentially largely rises to the top. But the cool thing about this place, too, is that there'll always be that funny story. The Rocco Mediates, the the mm-hmm. Steve, the the, the the Richard Bland. Goodness gracious, I was pulling for him. Um, and so tomorrow there's going to be a little bit of that. There'll be a Mackenzie Hughes hanging in there, and it's keen to see this David versus Goliath thing that this incredible golf course is going to produce tomorrow afternoon. We are going to have one heck of a Sunday recap because no matter who wins this golf tournament, it is going to be amazing it's going to be fun mm-hmm. to talk about it's going to be well earned and well deserved you're not going to backdoor or fall backwards into this major championship i my heart says rory my head says bryson we shall we shall see but mark 18 holes oh, one, one, one thing real fast for my columbus people columbus georgia if anyone's listening to this because because <laughs> russell henley now we've adopted him because he lives here with his wife teal if russell wins we might have a public holiday on Monday in Columbus, Georgia, because <laughs> it's there you go. Because it's such a great golfing town, and um, he's come in here, and folks have just embraced him, and he plays golf at both clubs. He comes and practices with my college golf team. He's just a guy, you know, and and he's super likable that way, and he plays the game easy. So if he wins, uh, they may shut down our our portion of Georgia for a few days. Columbus, Georgia, if you're listening, uh, oh, and, and Russell Henley can pull this off, maybe a little, little welcome back parade for him when he gets home uh, on, on Sunday night or Monday. All good. I love it. Okay. We will be back, of course, Sunday evening to break down our latest major champion. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, it's Mark Immelman. You can find him at Mark underscore Immelman, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.